Don't tell us how great it is, just tell us the story. I think we all just assume that we're all geniuses when we start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty much. Uh, most of us aren't. We don't want to hear this is your first pitch. We don't want to hear, you know, you haven't done this much. We don't want to hear that you practice this and that you know exactly what to say. We, we want to see if you've got the goods, and that is the story. Like Mark Twain said, don't tell us the fat lady is going to sing. Bring her out, let her sing. So a lot of the times people are writing screenplays because they're writing what, they, what they've seen already because they think that those are the movie moments that make the film. Instead of realizing that movie moment mattered because of who those characters were and what they were trying to get done. It means absolutely nothing in your screenplay. Screenwriters are failing to tell a story. They're failing to realize that structure is a way to maximize the impact of their story. Um, and that they are ending up presenting a situation instead of telling a story. One of the most difficult things for writers to really embrace is, the, is this idea that at the very foundation of any story is a visible goal that the hero wants to cross at the end of the story. They'll get so caught up in the inner journey, in the depth or dimension of the character, or in the themes they want to deliver, or they'll just think the premise is good so they get lost in a thicket of events and plotting until finally they're just coming up with new ideas and adding idea after idea and it becomes so complicated and so confusing that there's no story there. One of the illnesses of education is they reward the mind and in storytelling it's the heart and so you want to look at your vehicle as your heart and the steering wheel as your mind, right, in story. And so I said that wherever we go, we need to be in the heart. The mind just steers us in the direction we need to go. It should help us navigate. It should help us rearrange the, the speech or the script that is the puzzle. But it's not there because it's a feeling. It's like music. If you don't hit the beats, then the audience won't feel it, right? essentially. We're flawed people and those flaws are going to somehow come out on screen. One of the interesting things is our story choice always comes from whatever's inside of us. So I, I think it's interesting when you know, I'm a, a high concept guy. I, like, I come up with a bunch of ideas and every idea I come up with is me. And part of the job once I come up with a high concept is to go to trace it back and go why is that me? And once I find why it's me, then I can explore that in the script better than just do the surface version. And I think bad high concept movies are just the surface, you know, what, you know, what if he's an alien? What if he's whatever? And it's like, it's the surface story, not the internal story. And the internal story is what makes it human and what makes the audience relate to it. Writer forgetting about the most important part of his story, which is the audience. His audience, the reader, the audience is the most important part of the story. And when you forget it, they know, the reader knows that you've forgotten them. And, and then they're, they're tuned out. They close the book. But I've done this myself many times, which is write something that is personal to me that I think I felt something deeply about, so audiences will too. And one, off, you know, one hopes they can pull that off. And there are some pitfalls in that approach that often happen, um, one of them being that we so internalize what we went through, what we were thinking and feeling, and why it mattered so much to us in our life, to put it actually on the page in a way that audiences looking at a character based on us, having experiences based on ours, 
for the audience to get those things that are internal to us is harder than it looks. And often just because we felt it deeply doesn't mean that we can write a character feeling that same thing deeply and the audience will get it. Sometimes they will, sometimes those are the best movies, but a lot of times they won't. And a lot of times that thing that we went through in our personal life that mattered so much to us doesn't necessarily have the ingredients of an entertaining to watch story. I have a thing I'm trying to accomplish and that's what story is. I have a thing I am trying to accomplish. I am a character and I need to get this thing and it will be a more interesting story if there's something in the way. If <laughs> I am a character, I'm trying to put a suitcase on a train and I go and I put it on the train and nothing happens, it's a very short, boring story. If they're carrying a suitcase and another person comes and they steal the suitcase, it's more of an interesting story. And it's a more interesting story if that person's got something important in the suitcase. If it's just a suitcase, they can say, oh, somebody stole it. Oh, well, I'll go get another one. Not that strong a story. Um, every story is about a character trying to accomplish something and having an obstacle. And what they do, what action they take in the face of the obstacles is your story. So many writers think that writing an outline is figuring out their plot. And, 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 and it's, there's something very satisfying about coming up with a plot. There's something like, oh, oh, I've got it. But here's the problem is that, again, Einstein says you can't solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created the problem. Every story begins with a dramatic problem. And what happens, every writer's had this experience. You get really excited by your premise and you, you start writing it and you get halfway through and then you get stuck. And then you're trying to make these characters interesting, but you feel like they're just, you know, pieces on a chessboard that you're trying to move around. And, and, and so it's important to understand that story structure is not about plotting. Story structure really is the DNA of your protagonist's transformation. And so what you really want to do is you want to start to be curious about your protagonist's dilemma. Because when you, when you really understand the nature of their struggle, the nature of their dilemma, it is going, it becomes the source of your story and it starts to, it just starts to pay off in silver dollars. It starts to give you all sorts of um, ideas, images, scenarios that are going to um, become your plot. Not showing the everyday life of the character before they get into the story moving forward. We have to have a setup. It can be very brief or a character can be on the move, so to speak, action-wise. They can have just arrived in a town and we see them going or they're going to a meeting or going to meet with a hitman or whatever it might be. But nonetheless, it has to convey this is who this character has been for some time and it has to create empathy. We'll find out what happened prior to that but the big, the first big event that's going to happen to him doesn't happen on page one. We first have to get acquainted and identify or empathize with this character. And that empathy must occur immediately. We have to empathize before we start seeing what the flaws to the character are, before we start recognizing what this inner conflict is or what this identity is or what dark places they might go. First, we have to just connect with them emotionally. I had a friend of mine tell me one time that if I ever am in a position where I have to explain to you what my story is about after you've read the script, then I failed. If you should get it from the script. If they're not getting it, then that's a problem. You need to fix it. Like, I don't understand why she 
and says this, if you have to explain it, then you need to rewrite the scene. Because you're not going to, what are you going to do, sit there when the movie's going in the theater and go, so she's doing it. <laughs> you know, that's, you, no, that doesn't, you've got to fix it. One thing that could make some supporting characters stronger and screenplays in general stronger is connecting the supporting characters to the theme a little bit more. Um, I think sometimes writers throw in, you know, the wacky sidekick or, you know, the, a supporting character who's just really colorful and there for comedic effect or, you know, a, a sort of a distraction from the A story. But really, you want your screenplay to be a collection of things that are all having the same conversation, right? So you want your screenplay to be having one conversation all the way through, and all of those pieces should connect to that conversation. They should all fall under that umbrella. Things that jump to mind when I think about like my particular early mistakes. I think one, I was a little scared of trusting my own point of view. I think I was relying too much on the models of screenwriting, you know, looking at books on the hero's journey and three-act structure and and you know now you know some of the more evolved. Stuff. I, I was just I was obsessed with those things. I was trying to find an answer in them. And at the end of the day, like I do think that they have some use. But no, for me, I realized when I just let go of that and just ask myself like just core emotional and dramatic questions. First of all, actually, sometimes it would result in stuff that actually had that structure anyways inherent in it. And even when it didn't, it still worked. If you want to imagine the climax of your story, remember that we want our protagonist to be active through the whole story. You want to have an active protagonist. And the challenge for writers is that we tend to be sort of passive observers. We're always watching what's going on. And so when we sometimes put ourselves into the protagonist situation, sometimes the protagonist can be the least interesting character in the story. And so you want to find a way to make them active. Their lead character has a bunch of people coming at them and doing things, you know, saying, oh, you should do this. And he goes, okay, and he does it. It's got, if it doesn't come from within the character, then you've got no train You've got no choo-choo pulling the train. It's not pulling the story train. What you've got is a caboose pushing it. That doesn't work, okay? You need to pull it and going somewhere. A lot of people will write pages and pages and pages of activity, but activity is not action, right? Action is intentional, right? People are taking intentional steps towards a goal. Activity is just, Anything, I went to a party, I sat in my house, I watched TV, I did X, Y, and Z. But if that isn't attached to you actually trying to reach a goal, then what am I watching? Monologues, oh my God, I used to write some obscenely long, pretentious monologues. <laughs> As you can probably tell, I'm very opinionated about things, you know, kind of philosophical about things. And I would put way too much of that into my characters and it was annoying. First thing you have to understand about dialogue is that it's got to be connected to the character's desire line in the scene. In other words, it, if a character has an objective, an intention in the scene, the dialogue has to match that intention. And what I see a lot of times, especially with exposition and information, is that <clears throat> a character is saying all that information, and you can tell that it's really the writer's objective in other words, the writer wants, to, wants the audience to know this information because they think, okay, the audience needs to know this and this and this and this, so the character is going to say this and this and this and this. And that doesn't work because scenes and dialogue are about a character's intention in the scene. Everything a character says is matched to what that desire line is. So anything that doesn't belong to that doesn't fit. 
and you can tell whether it's the writer wanting to know that information, wanting the audience to know that information, whether it's part of the character. On the nose dialogue could be one of the worst. Uh, I like to say sometimes that talking heads dialogue where it's just two characters talking to each other, kind of at each other, and then Q&A sessions are the worst. And that's where one character keeps asking another questions and then they just keep answering it. So it's almost like an interview. And if that goes on for too long, it really tires out the reader and it just gets really what we call on the nose. 70% of your, your exposition does not have to go into your script. It can be all in, the, in your cut. Because all you have to do is, like, is, is set up a, um, um, a visual cue with an action and then cut to the end result of that action, to the aftermath. And just by doing that, just by putting one picture here, all right, and then putting the end result of that picture right over here, you've downloaded your, or you've uploaded your exposition, done, <laughs> you know? I can relate to this as a writer. It was one of my biggest struggles um, and I never overcame it. And it's part of why I stopped writing. And I see a lot of writers with this struggle. If you are so afraid of rejection, then it makes you or it can compel you to be the kind of person that you think people want you to be. And this could be true as a son or a daughter or a spouse or a writer. So you start writing in a way that you think is what people are looking for. And you're scared of writing in a way that could offend people. And so people who are so terrified of rejection can become the kind of person who it's hard to reject, but the person they become is not who they really are. So the fear of rejection can lead people to reject themselves. So afraid of being rejected, you reject who you truly are.